shouldn't Ah, uh, they said we wouldn't Ah, uh, look where we are We've done what they thought we couldn't As bad as the odds were looking Push, you be kept on pushing And every time I nearly hit the ground You were my cushion There's evidence that proves that you were heaven sent Cause when I needed rescuing You were there at my defense Girl, in you I find a friend You make me feel alive again And I feel like the brightest star Cause you made me shine again Hello and welcome to the Grand Old Podcast, which is the only Celtic podcast that is shambolic enough to have different hosts on a semi-regular basis. That's right, I am your host, John McGinley. We're without Hamish Carton this week, but I am joined by Paul Fisher. How are you doing, Paul? I'm magic, John, ready to chat everything Celtic and talk about this great unbeaten season. Maybe we should uh, chat a little bit first about where Hamish Carton is I think he's on his adventure somewhere in Germany, is that right? <laughs> yeah, so he, he's probably in the, the deepest, deepest, darkest streets in Stuttgart, enjoying his yeah, university time over there. He's only got about a month or so left, so we'll let him off there. Yeah, I, I would do the same. If I was in my early 20s in Germany, I don't think I'd be recording a podcast either. Um, <laughs> maybe it'll come up in his, uh, his book when he's famous and rich and he's left us all behind, Paul. Ah, well, that's true, but I think... Uh, we need to point out the fact that we did actually record the podcast with Hamish yeah. and it went a we bit um, haywire. I think technology got the better of us for the first yeah. time, so yeah. we're doing it again. So we'll have a, just to let the listeners know, we'll have a really set way of recording the podcast every week, but this week uh, we decided to try something new that might make life a little bit easier for us, but it's kind of snowballed into uh, drama after drama um, to the point where we actually lost the recording and then Hamish couldn't get together with us tonight, which is why... Um, we're recording this as a two-man instead of a three-man, and and we'll just we'll tell the listeners. I mean, it was the be- best podcast we'll ever ever do. <laughs> of course, it was. Um, I was just Absolutely. surprised that yeah, Henrik Larson gave up three hours of his time. I was really pleased that he managed to do that for us. And like Kieran Tierney phoning in halfway through to let us know he was a big fan of the podcast. That was just a, a, a special touch. But we'll move on. Um, we, we do have a lot to talk about today. Just for for people wondering, we're not just going to wing it. Um, we're going to talk about the match on Sunday because me and Paul went went there together uh, with James from Gigpod so we're going to chat through that we're going to chat through the post-match celebrations um, a couple of listeners' questions and then we're going to go through the numbers behind the unbeaten season we've got a whole list of uh, boring statistical numbers to, to go through and then we're going to chat a little bit about what the unbeaten season means and then of course we're going to look ahead to the Scottish Cup final on Saturday which is looming in the distance <laughs> um, so we'll get right into it Paul we obviously we went to the match together how, how did you feel about the day uh, in, in, in totality? I, I, th- I thought it was fantastic to set the scene we, we get out the central station and get a t- walk up to Queen Street um, get a taxi and we pull up outside the pub and the shutters are still down so me and you are yeah, waiting like at 11 o'clock in the morning took a couple of jakeys to get a pint <laughs> before the game Excellent. and that, that just set the tone for the day I think um, we were ready we were, we were going to enjoy ourselves we met up with James we walked over to, to the game and you could mm-hmm. feel the atmosphere building straight away oh, you like, could, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, it was great and there was so many people smiles on their faces everybody was relaxed didn't it? there was no mm-hmm. sense of 
a case, no, no sense of dread that we were ever going to lose the game. I don't think there was maybe some nerves here or there, but I think yeah. all in all we were, were ready to get in, ready to get the to see what the display was going to be like and then yeah. to see the match itself. But all in all, fantastic. Yeah, I mean the display itself really set the tone, didn't it? I mean, how did you feel about the display taking part in it? For me, I I felt it was. Uh, I felt really proud to be part of it, actually. I, I wasn't part of the, the display at Barcelona. Um, mm. I wasn't actually at the Barcelona game in 2012. But So it was, for me, it was something new for me and something special. And obviously, f- full credit to the Green Brigade for going to the effort of actually putting that display together. First of all, raising the money beforehand. And fair play to any listeners, too, that donated to that cause, either online or uh, from the bucket collections outside the ground at one of the matches. Um, I'm sure everyone will agree that the money went to good use, but when you just think about the sheer amount of hours that goes into a display like that, from designing it, from uh, putting that design in and setting it out to, to where that goes on the seats, which to me is baffling. I can't even get my head around that. <laughs> and then to individually tie bits of pl- 60,000 bits of plastic to seats, that, that's an undertaking in itself. So uh, massive congratulations to the Green Bay. I felt special. How, how did it feel for you, Paul? Yeah, it was. I think special is probably the right word to describe it. The fact that the, the four stands are all in unison and it, it's mm-hmm. just so perfectly orchestrated to this display just to, to get it bang on you like you compare it with the one that Chelsea had and it's it's absolutely night and day the mm-hmm. the Green Brigade they, they, they know how to do it they've obviously got some really artistic guys involved and fair play because it makes it that that wee bit special like the guard honour for the, the champions coming out and you see Scott Brown walking out there his chest's all puffed out and he's got a big yeah. sense of pride because he's looking around the stadium and thinking this is a special time to be a Celtic player mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. obviously it's a tribute back to the, the Lisbon Lions and the, it was good to see so many of them there as well Um it's just so special. Like we'll never see that again. Fifty years is is, is a special it's the last thing. Yeah. yeah, we might be like seventy five years, or we might be lucky enough to see the hundred year celebrations. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's obviously not going to be the same as it was on Sunday. And nah. um, the the way it was, the display was it was just brilliant. Like it's obviously it's probably the best display. I think it's better than Barcelona. I'll go as far to say that. I felt it was too. There's an argument to say that displays like that look better at night time. Obviously, the Green Brigade can't control time, but um, I, I felt like the display itself was was amazing. I thought I thought the silver effect on the on the big cup was an extraordinary thing, and you know that I, I loved the fifty four and I loved the the big star behind that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just the whole thing was class, and it, as as I say, it really set the tone for the whole day. And and then we went into the match and. To be honest, the, the actual football on display in the first half was a little bit flat, I felt. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was maybe a touch of nerves from the Celtic team or maybe that they just had such a lack of nerves that they, they just dealt with it as a run-of-the-mill league game. But, of course, for the supporters, it wasn't. So when we went into half-time uh, 0-0, I, I wasn't particularly worried, but I, I, I was actually desperate for us to get some early goals on Sunday and obviously they didn't come along. Uh, how were you feeling at half-time? Did you feel... Like it might be one of those days, or were you just fully confident that we we're going to get the job done? I, I think we this team. You know that there's after it goes to fifty or sixty minutes, you just know there's there's still goals in the team. So I was maybe slightly more nervous than I would have been uh, like maybe two or three weeks ago. 
against let's say against Partick or against St Johnston or whatever because it was the last game to get the unbeaten uh, the full 90-38 mm-hmm. games but I still even at that I knew there was guys that could come off the bench and change the game we've seen that we, when Rogic came on he kind of changed it slightly he thought he'd give us more through the middle and you know there's always going to be a moment of brilliance from, from Patrick Roberts or from Stuart Armstrong or somebody like that Mm-hmm. Um, and we Lee Griffiths, Lee in Griffiths this, even. Yeah, yeah. We Lee Griffiths in this team I know Scott Sinclair was maybe a wee bit cold and on Sunday didn't really turn up but yeah. you can let him away with one game because he, he's been <laughs> turned up all season um, so I don't know if there was nerves but I think there was maybe a, a slight bit of that feeling that if, if Hearts could sneak something then, then maybe we'd be, we'd be trying too hard but if we, I knew yeah. if we scored, scored first then, then it was it was curtains for, for Hearts because um, we don't seem to concede after we're going ahead we don't seem to concede any more than one goal well, well the good thing was that the defence absolutely cruised I felt across the 90 minutes even oh. in the first half we didn't look under pressure at all you know Saminovic um, is just an absolute monster right now um, one of the best defender, pure defenders I've ever seen in a Celtic shirt I feel like I know he's not as comfortable on the ball as Virgil van Dijk uh, for instance or has that kind of technical ability that he does but I, I think in, in pure defensive prof- uh, proficiency I feel like Jozo Simonovic is unparalleled right now and I can't wait to see how he steps up and does that in Europe um, at half time though there, there was another special moment of the day it was perhaps one uh, it was perhaps it could have been it could rank high as perhaps my favourite moment of the day and that's when the um, the birthday girl the, the 100 year old came out onto the pitch to take a step onto uh, Celtic Park and I believe you know a bit more about the backstory of that one Paul yeah I so um, to let folk know so Julia Patterson she's she turned yeah. 100 last week um, she's from Adrosson where I'm from and, and I did a wee bit in my, my day to day job at the paper I, I wrote a story about her, her birthday and uh, spoke to her daughter Margaret who um, can explain like what she was like as a person and all that kind of stuff and uh, she's just, the first one of the first things she mentioned was that she, in fact she was a big Celtic fan and <laughs> that she was going to be going on at the park at half time um, she said she loves the game she's got a real passion for the club she always has done and you've seen that when she came on it was it was absolutely brilliant and and actually speaking to Margaret again today she said that wow. her, mum, her mum's been high, high as a kite ever since she said, wow. uh, she said she absolutely loved it she was shouting all the way through the game she when she when she walked on with Lustig and she got her, her strip, she said she was so like she was just delighted about it, and the fact that she obviously when she walked off she got a cuddle from a local man for Bobby Lennox who was obviously up at the game too. Said yeah. it just absolutely made her day, and the the one thing that I didn't realise was that she actually got picked up in a limousine with green and white ribbons coming out the windows in the oh, morning to take her up magic. to Glasgow, wow. um, and she's been invited back up next year for her hundred and first birthday, so she said she's looking forward to that wow. one. Absolutely amazing. A hundred years, and that that one maybe ranked as one of the the greatest days of her life, perhaps. Um, yeah. I, it kind of hit me in the gut when she came on, and I have to say, just the, the way that she looked so full of joy. She she you could tell she had such a passion for the hoops, and and she took a she took a wee look down to her feet to make sure she was should cross over the line. And when she crossed over the line onto the pitch, she let out a wee cheer, and of course, so did Celtic Park cheered her onto the pitch. I thought it was a really nice touch on the club. I thought it was a special moment um, on a special day and really yeah, it made me feel really happy and of course we, we went into the second half Paul and Lee Griffiths again I mean he keeps coming up with goals he, he didn't play he didn't start I mean from December to April and then he's hit a barrel of goals in and you wouldn't put it past them scored another couple at the weekend to bring his tally to 20 for the season which would be quite remarkable 
No, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I think when when the season started, you thought, oh, Griffiths is going to get 40 again. Um, the way yeah. he started with the goals in Europe. And then obviously Dembele had his form and, and Griffiths was struggling to get into the team and then he was injured. And it was it was a shame because he always knew he was he was desperate to get back on because he has got the goals in, the, in his locker and he's shown that the last couple of seasons. But for, for him to get to 18 um, is phenomenal, I think. Like regardless yeah, if he I scores do, yeah. at the weekend or not, because like the the, the goals he scored, like he's not as if he's um, been scutting around the issue. He's been scoring really good goals. You know, it's not been tappings all the time. Um, his goal against Rangers, the the second goal in the game, the rocket, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And obviously the goal against Aberdeen as well, um, absolute rocket. So fair play to him for for. Fighting and like fighting for his space because I know I know it's I don't think it's really been an easy season for him at all. Um, he's been kind of some of his like I think I think he's struggled slightly to adapt to the Brendan Rodgers way of thinking. And it's been a, it's been a, it's been difficult. I think I think it was always going to be because Mr Dembele was was became the main man. And I think at the, like you say at the start of the season he was still scoring a lot of goals and I think he probably felt that even despite Mr Dembele coming in that he was going to retain his place in the team mm-hmm. and it just didn't quite work out like that but I think full credit um, he's clearly desperate to play for the club he is, he's not like he's looking for a move away or anything in, in terms of looking for first team football elsewhere I don't feel like from, from afar I don't feel like that's the issue at all I think he'll still play an important part next season um, mm-hmm. there's another man who perhaps won't play an important part next season and that's Patrick Roberts who potentially played his last match at Paradise and uh, it, 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 I, I said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago but I actually think he's playing the best he has ever done for us right now and, and that's a shame in one way but I think he's peaking at a great time for us to win the treble and I think he may be our most important player again in the cup final I felt on on Sunday he, he was fantastic he obviously won the man of the match and you could hear the crowd just desperately wanting to sign him and I mean, if it can be done, it can be done, and the 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 crowd were chanting Celtic, Celtic, sign them up. So obviously, the board will have got that message loud and clear. Um, we've spoken about it before; it's a little bit of a pipe dream to sign them, and it, I don't know how I feel about the Patrick Roberts situation. I, 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 I as I say, I'm I'm grateful. I think that he's peaking, but I I do have a touch of sadness because I think he's one of the, the he's probably the best loan signing we've ever had, and you can see that again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the when we saw we mentioned Scott Sinclair and, and Scott Sinclair never had his his best game, but Patrick Roberts was great. I thought um, down that right wing he was working well with Gamboa, and he was making space, especially in the second half. The space that he made there, peeling yeah. himself away from the the defender to to take the ball down to the the, the corner flag and then cut inside. The, the way he was cutting inside was just it was mind blowing because it's not as if it's it's rocket science to what he's doing. But he does it mm-hmm. so well and so quick. The, his feet are so fast that leaves defenders like kind of on their they're, they're stuck in their feet, and he's already away five yards running past them. And he, pick, <laughs> yeah. he he can pick out his man. He done it for for Griffiths. Like he had the time to look up and see right where is he. Perfect cross to Griffiths, and all Griffiths had to do was glance at, and it was one nil. Um, I hundred percent deserved man of the match performance and. I know it's a shame that he's going to be going, but I think he's had a big, big say in this unbeaten season. He's a big, big say in the potential treble. So I don't think he'll be disappointed in the fact that he's maybe going back because I think he will be happy that he's won two league titles with Celtic and 
he's, he's going yeah. to potentially win three trophies in the one season and go unbeaten so I'm not sure he'll be sad uh, I'm sure I he'll mean, be that, delighted that's a good way to look at it obviously from a fan's perspective we feel a tinge of sadness but for him this has all worked out perfectly for him he's become something of a cult hero at Celtic he's going to go back to and I know we're talking I mean listeners might be turning their hair out here thinking it's not done and dusted yet he may come back I, I feel resigned to the fact that he will return to Man City at least for a good portion of the summer and then what happens happens if I strip away my fan loyalty to Celtic, if I was in Manchester City, I would take him back for pre-season, have him start in some friendlies, and then I would actually loan him out to a top-tier championship club who would push for promotion or a lower-half English Premier League club. I think if you if Man City are taking a long-term view of him, I think testing him in English football is the next logical step here. And and that's a shame for us, obviously, if Man City don't aren't taking a long term view for him and are willing to put him up for sale, I think Celtic should obviously be in the hunt for him, and it would be silly if we weren't. But I I, I do feel resigned to losing him, um, and you know, what, whatever happens happens. But I, I'm just grateful that he's that he has contributed what he's had. As you say, a good way to look at it is to not look at it negatively because that you're, I think people might just set themselves up for disappointment that way. I think we should look at it as such a positive loan signing and perhaps the 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 blueprint for a, a, a loan signing in the future. Obviously, we've seen a number of loan signings come to Celtic over the last few years, sometimes three or four a season, and I don't think that's the right way to approach it at all. But if you can find someone of quality who's really going to add to the first team and have them come up for an extended period of time, I think that's an ideal model for Celtic to pursue in the future. So far from being sad about it, I think you're right, Paul. I think it's good to look upon it positively because I think that's what Patrick Roberts will do. Yeah, I mean, and just looking at his stats, you know, he's he's his game. If it, if it is his last game in the Scottish Cup final, it'll be game number sixty for him for Celtic, and he mm. scored seventeen goals. So he's he's always a, a goal every three games. So for and a, a midfielder, lots more than that. Yeah, so he's like directly contributing to to tons more goals. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing, just to to, to touch on it, and I'd never actually really thought about it that much. His temperament is is phenomenal. Um, mm. He doesn't mm. get. F- Flustered. Um, maybe he's had a couple of times where he's he maybe went down too easily, um, and maybe that would be the only thing I would criticise him for. But he's only ever been booked once. It was against Rangers, and you can I think you can let him away with that. The the fact that he's he's such a young age, he's so grounded and level headed, but he's so talented. It's it's phenomenal. And if we could keep him, I would I would, I would love that. But I say I'm I'm the same as you. I'm resigned to to losing him. Um, unfortunately. And so there was one more other thing. We had the two goals, obviously, Lee Griffiths and Stuart Armstrong with the goals, and the Green Brigade cheated us to another uh, surprise display, I would say. I mean, I, they have done in-match displays before, and as the 67th minute... Uh, well, we were wondering, because they, they pulled down this green and white plastic over the, the Green Brigade section, and we were wondering what's going on here. It's obviously for the 67th minute. But I don't think anyone was expecting um, um, a, a half a dozen odd flares popping up out of the plastic to, to create a bit of theatre in the stadium. I thought it was magic. I was a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was obviously clever the way they did it to obscure their faces underneath the plastic with and with the masks on to, to perhaps prevent recrimination later. Um, how did you feel about the, the flare display? Did you enjoy that aspect of it? I, I thought I thought it was brilliant. I love all that kind of stuff. Like as long as it's done, it's like there was nothing um, to to point to the fact that that none, none of that was it wasn't safe or anything like that. That was out of the question fine. for me. Yeah. The fact that yeah. they they've made this 
thing all season with the 67th minute and the phone lights and all that kind of stuff they've taken it to another level again and yeah. everybody they blew those phone lights out the water didn't they aye, everybody was, was looking as soon as the green and white plastic went up like nobody really I don't think was watching the game at that point <laughs> and it, no, it, was, no. it, it just shows you like the kind of the theatre the, and the, the build up that the Green Brigade can have with that and everybody's waiting to see right and then the, the clock turns to 67 minutes and then wow brilliant um, the green and the, the kind of yellow coloured flares going up and and the, obviously the Lisbon Lions will be thinking they'll be looking at that and thinking go that's for us like obviously they've had the celebrations for for the mm-hmm. last fifty years and thinking that, that this is their own unique way of doing it and I thought it was I thought it was perfect I thought it was spot on. And so we had the match and obviously the final whistle blew Celtic are unbeaten the the first side in, in the Scottish top flight to go unbeaten for one hundred and eighteen years the first Scottish side to do it in a thirty eight game season obviously a remarkable feat and then that that kind of uh, set the tone for the post match celebrations. Um, we we had the, the, the kind of youth teams do their lap on the pitch and then the team came out and then Brendan Rodgers came out but you, myself and Paul can actually hear what Brendan Rodgers was saying really because of the, the way the speakers came over in the Lisbon Lions stand so what we're going to do now is just play a Brendan Rodgers clip uh, for me and Paul to listen to and for the listeners at home 13,000 people filled the stand and the stands around today 60,000 come to see the leader of the men and the leader of the people how do you sum up your first season at Celtic Park? I think first of all I want to give a, a huge thank you to uh, Dermot Desmond, Peter Lowell and the board. I think without those guys uh, I wouldn't be here. Um, they were the one that had to make an appointment when Ronnie left. Um, so I'm a very, very lucky boy to, to be given that opportunity. I think the second thank you, obviously, of course, goes to the players because it probably will be never done again in a lifetime. To go, you know, a full campaign of 38 games and remain undefeated, winning 34 and drawing four, like I say, that probably will never be, never certainly when I'm alive anyway, never be done. So, I'm going to allow Brendan, the boys are all waiting patiently for their manager. I know you want to say one last thing. Just, just two final points. I want to make a special mention to Chris Commons, Lisa and his family. Chris has been an incredible servant for the club. He's obviously been unfortunate this year with a lot of injuries and whatnot, but he's been absolutely brilliant behind the scenes. And obviously him and his wife are very much a part of the, uh, the Celtic family. So thank you. My final message is to the supporters. You know, we uh, Celtic is nothing without the support. We as players and managers and coaches, we're on the field here. But what makes Celtic iconic 
is the people in the stands and the people all over the world. So a big thank you to you and enjoy your day. So that was Brendan Rogers speaking about the paying special recognition to, to certain aspects of the club, to, to Peter Lawwell and Dermot Desmond for bringing him into the club, to, to Chris Commons and his wife for playing a, an important contribution to Celtic over the years, and, and of course the players and the fans who have been consistently amazing all season. Um, Paul, how did you feel generally about the, the celebrations and in particular the, the role of Chris Commons uh, coming out and, and playing his part? I, I thought the, the celebrations themselves. I thought they were they were absolutely fine. Like they, they weren't out of this world spectacular, but they weren't rubbish or anything like that. They were they were great to see that all the players, everybody recognised getting their medals and all that kind of stuff. I thought Rogers was spot on with his comments. Um, he thanked everybody and probably in the correct way as well. Um, started off with the with the kind of the hierarchy um, because as he said, without them he wouldn't be here. So yeah. I think that it's good to recognise. And then the Chris Common stuff like. I, I, me and you, I, th- I think we're. I was well, I, me more so. I'd say there's not a huge. <laughs> like, I was never a huge fan of Chris Commons, but I love I, Chris Commons. I, I le- learned to love him, um, and I think when he walked out I, I, at the time, I thought, this is about OTT. But the more I think about it, the more I think, nah, fair play to him. He he was he was a good servant for Celtic, and he did a lot of good stuff. He scored a lot of good goals, and at times where the stuff was difficult he was there and he was digging us out of a hole um, I'll always remember his goal um, against Karagandi it was it was the first game I did when we worked on the Celtic Live project and that, that night was phenomenal and it's, and he he set the tone for that he got that that ball rolling and mm-hmm. I thought I, it was it was good and it was good to see Rogers like saying that kind of stuff about him and his wife and the stuff that they do in the background at the club, maybe stuff that people wouldn't realise that actually happens. So I, I thought that was good. And then obviously the players, and then lastly the fans, because the recognition they deserve for this season, um, mm-hmm. the fans, especially away from home, have been absolutely amazing. I thought the whole tone of that that run was was spot on and that was certainly reflected by Stuart Dean who sent us in a wee comment just asking us specifically what our thoughts were on Chris Commons he felt that Celtic got it absolutely bang on that it was exactly the right kind of send off to to such an inspirational player I, I would agree to that up to a point I'm a massive fan of Chris Commons. I think he's contributed a lot to Celtic over the years, and I thought it was fitting that he got a little mention over the tunnel. He came out on his own from the tunnel and took his place in the, in the lineup there. And then I thought it was a touch of class for for Red, for Brendan Rodgers to to touch on Chris Commons and his wife because I think she's. Uh, built up a real rapport with supporters and and gone out of her way to build a relationship with supporters. Um, she's been on supporters buses in the past, for example. She's taken part in lots of charity events. She's she's always got a kind word to say about it on Twitter. Um, the only thing for me was that I I don't personally feel like he should have took his place on the stage in in terms of lifting the trophy. Um, he's not kicked the ball all season. I feel like that stage and that trophy is for the backroom staff and the players who have played across the season. But that's me nitpicking a little bit. I I understand why Celtic did that. I understand why fans would appreciate that. And it was a little bit emotional seeing him there in his suit. And, and this is the last time he's going to take his bow at, at Paradise. And I'm sure he'll be welcome back in, in the years to, to follow. Um, and I'm sure he, he'll be fondly remembered by Celtic fans for years to come. And if they see him in and around Glasgow, for example, I think his wife said that they're they're going to still be based in Glasgow. I think he'll always receive a warm reception. I think Hamish wanted me to say as well that um, 
it all came back for him as well. I think he, he himself, he said he'd been critical of Chris Commons over, this, over the years, but I think he felt that that kind of uh, bookmark to the end of his, that kind of, uh, yes, that that kind of ending to the end of his Celtic career um, was was a, a fitting way to send Chris Commons off as well. And I think he uh, wanted to publicly apologise for perhaps being a bit overboard with the criticism of Chris Commons over the years and perhaps on the podcast a few times that we've done it. Um, we also had the famous F.A. Ambrose backflip, Paul. Um, we know you're a big F.A. Ambrose fan. Uh, if, um, as F.A. Ambrose is going to leave the club this summer, do you think we should just get him back every season to do that backflip every year? Absolutely. I think it's became iconic. <laughs> we, 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 win the, we win the league, we get presented with the trophy, and then F.A. Ambrose does a backflip off the, off the stage. He's, he's, absolutely, <laughs> he's absolutely nuts. Like, But it's brilliant because you see the photograph. Like, There's always yeah, photographs of always, it. Yeah. And you see, and it's just like, and this year's especially like the, the players just looking at looking at him like, oh, there he is, there he goes again. And uh, if you go and actually look at it, it's on on the Twitter account. You scroll down the media, you'll see. It. Go and look at James Forrest's face. He's just in the absolute <laughs> awe of Effie Ambrose and the find the Rodgers too. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, but uh, he's some boy, isn't he? He's fair play, and we only played twice, I think, this season for Celtic and. He still manages to, to steal the show. <laughs> yeah. And then we had the lap of honour, which I thought was a nice touch too, in the way that they focused some of the photographs, etc., in the corner of the North Curve. And obviously, we don't want to put the Green Brigade on a pedestal too much. Obviously, they're just supporters like any other Celtic supporter, but they do add a lot of noise and colour to the stadium as well. And I felt that it was fitting that some of the photographs, etc., and the players gravitated towards that corner, as they have done all season, to, to be fair to them. And I had the, the Kieran Tierney selfie, which was a fantastic moment for me. The way he kind of directed the, the, the standing section with the megaphone, got them all to sit down and then jump up and go wild. And then obviously getting that selfie with the fans in the background, which will probably go down as one of the most iconic Celtic photos of, of the modern era. I, I thought that was fantastic too. The, the, the whole laugh of honour aspect of it was was good for me to see. I always enjoy seeing that every year. Um, the only thing about the whole post-match celebrations for me was that um, there wasn't that much focus on the unbeaten aspect of it. It was all about lifting the trophy. I don't know whether the, the league or the club themselves could have done a, something a little bit more special to pay tribute to the actual unbeaten part of it. I'm not sure what that would be, but we had the kind of message on the big screen saying Invincibles, etc. But the, the team weren't wearing like Invincibles t-shirts or anything. There was no... like kind of video package or anything like that it's, it's obviously that's again nitpicking but I, I just felt like it's such an, a monumental achievement I feel like um, there could have been paid more tribute to that and um, Stuart Dean also in his comments to us that he sent in also wanted us to touch on Sky's coverage of the whole post-match celebrations he felt that they were just a bit too quick obviously we were at the game so never saw them and speaking to Hamish both um, before last night's podcast and during last night's podcast he was watching the, the Sky feed, feed and he felt that it was all done a lot more quickly because they had to go away to the Man City game um, or something um, that kind of stuff, that, it's annoying that kind of stuff isn't it Paul because you feel like after a long hard season that the, 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 the club deserved their spotlight on TV and for fans around the world and you know just casual people tuning in to see the success of the club how did how would you feel about that? We were obviously in the pub afterwards, and we saw Chelsea got like about an hour and a half after their mm. game. I, I, could have I th- done a little bit more. Yeah, I th- and I think the, the the key fact to that is is the unbeaten thing as well. The if if 
any other team had done an unbeatable like save, it was an English Championship team, for example, had done the same kind of thing. They would still get they would get more coverage than, than we do. And Sky need to remember that that Scottish football is an important thing to a lot of people. And even though it's maybe not a, a big draw for for audience, they still they don't want to turn off the audience that they have because they're already going away to BT and and elsewhere in their droves and. They need to focus on the fact that there's still a decent um, amount of people who want to watch Scottish football and see it do well. It's to cut away it's so early. It's, it's just it's criminal for me, and the, the amount they spent on the, that stuff with Chelsea, with John Terry, and all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> the interviews on the park, I know that like we can even hear them, but you can see like yeah. there's there's four guys standing there, and they're interviewing Conte on the park, and then they're doing it with John Terry and other guys. Like, wh- why could they not do that with Celtic? Like the camera, even and the. Like and the pictures of the sky cameras ruining some pictures and stuff like that, and <laughs> it's, it's it's annoying because yeah, like, they're getting like, they're obviously they're getting exclusive coverage of that game, and they're just going to act. It's, it doesn't matter. We'll turn it off um, with fifteen minutes to go. Or we'll turn it yeah. off fifteen minutes early to go and watch Man City and Watford too. Who cares about them? Like not even Man City fans care about Man City and Watford. <laughs> so my my thoughts exactly. Um, so was there any other uh, things that stood out on the day for you? Briefly for me, I, I think the the thing that stood out for me was Colo Torre's kind of block of clearance, uh, kind of off the line in the second half. I thought that was a magic moment. Kind of Colo Torre's last hurrah. Um, was there any other moments that stood out for you either from the day or or post-match when we went to the pub or uh, before the match even? Yeah, no, post-match I think was 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 a great laugh we went in the pub and it seemed kind of quiet and subdued a lot of people watching the, the English football and stuff like that and then out of nowhere uh, the songs just started to, to come and it, it, yeah. seemed, it wasn't as if we were in the Gallagher or anything like that we weren't in like a, a, a real Celtic pub we were just kind of enjoying a, a chat and talking about it through the game because we've not seen each other for a while so we were talking about just catching up and then the song started and we were three or four times down Aye, so it was it was great and um, was everybody was loving it so I could spell to see everybody just so happy smiles on their faces and just enjoying the enjoying the Celtic <laughs> it was a magic day from, from start to finish uh, good football good celebrations good company good Guinness um, I was happy with my day um, what we'll do now is just to, to go through some of the numbers behind the unbeaten season as I say um, Celtic are the first team in Scottish football to go unbeaten in a league season for 118 years which is a remarkable achievement, as we all know. Um, some of the numbers behind that are, are even more impressive too. And the fact that we've went 34 wins in the season, that's a Scottish record, I believe. And we've scored 106 league goals, which is more than any goals we've scored in the league in our lifetimes, Paul, and mm. a lot of people's lifetimes listening to, to, the, to the podcast. Um, Scott Sinclair was our league top scorer with 21 goals, which again is remarkable because he's not an out and out striker. Um, uh, the, the Scottish record for goals was actually set by Hearts in 1957-58 and uh, they scored 132 goals in 34 matches uh, which is quite ridiculous when you think about it and that was thanks to Chris1888 on Twitter I'd actually thought Celtic were going for the Scottish record but the BBC had misreported earlier in the week so I got a bit confused with that um, it wasn't even a Celtic record because the Celtic record is 115 league goals which was set in the 1930s um, so not quite up there but still a special number and perhaps the most amount of league goals we'll ever see scored um, in our lifetimes uh, from this point onwards 
I think perhaps the most important, sorry, the most impressive numbers here is the fact that we won 106 points from 114 available, which Mm -hmm. is a Scottish record again. Um, Paul, do you feel like that's the 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 most impressive stat of of all the ones that we're going through right now? Yeah, I think it has to be that. Like, I know we've got some other stats that go into a wee bit more detail about different things, but the hundred and six points. Like, you look at it in the league table and think, ah, that's pretty good. Like, but we've got we've been kind of close to that before, and mm-hmm. we've been in and around that area. But then you don't actually look back and say, right, what could we have got? Like we only yeah. we only we could only got eight more points. That that's it's, it's baffling to think that eight more we were eight points away from complete perfection, and <laughs> it's like it's like two wins in a draw. It's 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 yeah. not like it's, it's nothing. It's it's crazy. Um, hundred and six points. It's just it, I don't think we'll we'll get close to that ever again. Um, I see maybe for I another right. ten years yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, I don't I just just don't see like. 106 points there's so many wins even if like next season we went and we only lost one game for example you're having to win the rest of them because draws aren't obviously going to get you close to that, that tally and to get over 100 to get any triple figures is, is, is amazing and to get so mm-hmm. close to like obviously we went unbeaten but to get so close to being perfect it's, it's absolutely phenomenal um, the other one is that we've only been behind in league matches four times this season to Kilmarnock, Motherwell, Rangers and St Johnston and we've won every single one of those matches that we're behind in and when you think about the matches that we have drawn as well I mean there was last minute goals, there was penalties it, this being behind only four times in the season again that, that kind of sums up how dominant we've been I don't think that'll ever happen again in my lifetime I, I can't imagine that it would happen next season even with Brendan Rodgers still here and to kind of brush aside all these teams with ease I know we have the biggest budget but I think it would be easy for us to coast along year to year and you know kind of we're we're six we're six deep into this streak of of league titles now and a lot of this team are a lot of this team were there for the first one a few have been and and even more have been here for for the past few seasons too so I think to maintain this kind of consistency year on year and actually improve on that six seasons in, I think that's perhaps the most impressive thing of all. And obviously full credit to Brendan Rodgers, full credit to Scott Brown too, and players like that, Michael Lustig who have been here for ages, even Emilio Zagiri, players like that that have been here for a long time that are still doing the job at the highest level and, and playing the best they ever have for Celtic. Um, Hamish also had a, a big catalogue of stats well, on last night's podcast so I've managed to track down those two so it would be remiss for me not to mention them um, seeing as he, as he wanted them on the podcast so we'll go through some of his two um, I think he wanted to, to just highlight how dominant we were in terms of against the league average so the fact that we actually won 2.79 points per game and think about mm-hmm. that, you'd round that up to 3 points the league average is in fact 1.37 points um, the the goals scored per game it's also two point seven nine so almost three goals a game and the league average for that was one point three eight goals per game um, and we've we won eighty nine percent of our matches uh, we yeah, obviously we didn't lose any the the league average of of defeats is thirty thirty seven percent so that just again shows you the difference uh, in the teams. Another point that was actually quite remarkable too was when we scored most of our goals. Um, Paul, do you know when we would have scored most of our goals and in, in, in which period of the game? 
It was it's quite um it jumps out that we always finish off the matches strongly. So it has to be yeah. like the the last kinda ten, fifteen minutes or but how they were is it seventy five to ninety? Yeah, seventy six to ninety is. So we scored um of, of our hundred and six league goals, we scored twenty seven of them in the last fifteen minutes of the game. Again, a, a remarkable thing and wow. I mean it doesn't get it doesn't get uh, more breathtaking than that. Um, what do you think the most common scoreline was, Paul? Oh, I, I think I've seen we usually scored more than two goals in a match, so it was just three 0 or something like that. Three 0 See, you'd think that, um, but we did go through a period of winning lots of games one 0 The one 0 is actually the most common scoreline. We've actually had that seven times across the season, so that was more than any other scoreline, and um, which is perhaps quite surprising for people. But I think that demonstrates the fact the determination we had to win games. Some of these games weren't actually that easy, but to get over the that that's what sets us apart from Celtic sides in the past. When games sometimes games aren't going our way, we would draw nil nil or we would concede a late goal. Yeah, teams would hit us on the on the counter at Celtic Park or or something like that. But the fact that we've managed to win games by one goal to nil seven times, I think that says a lot about the team, especially when we've been racking up the goals in other games. It's not like we need to prove ourselves in an attacking sense. And so those are some of the numbers behind the unbeaten season. And as as we know, the unbeaten season for, for supporters has been remarkable. But we'll hear now from Scott Brown. He he spoke a little bit to, to Sky after the match and about how he felt about the unbeaten season. So So let's listen to the captain. Scott, you've been here a long time now. Sum this one up for us. Unbelievable. It shows you the lads' determination all season. Uh, we've worked hard in pre-season and it's paying off now and we're still uh, training hard, we're working hard and uh, we're still winning games this late on in the season. What's different about this Celtic team compared to the other ones you've played in? Yeah, I think the fitness. I think we're still going 90, 95 minutes and we keep pushing, we're scoring loads of goals. We've, got, we've brought in some quality players and uh, we've got a great bunch of lads that are in that dressing room and the gaffers picked and choose wisely when to bring people in, when to give somebody a rest as well and it, it's worked this year. How has it been for you and how have you found it compared again with all the, the seasons you've played for Celtic? Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Uh, it, it was hard at the start of the season, uh, going away to Gibraltar and uh, losing that game. But we've bounced back since then and we've, we've pushed on. We've done well in the Champions League, at home especially. And uh, now we're showing how good a team we are in the SPL. We've went all the way through the season unbeaten, so uh, it's down in history now. How good are you feeling about yourself fitness-wise as well this season? Yeah, uh, last season was hard for me. It was stop-start uh, due to injury, but this season it's been phenomenal. I think training's helped, the tempo of training and the quality of players that we brought in as well. Many more to come? Yeah, I hope so. So that was Scott Brown there talking about the unbeaten season and, and how he felt what was the, more, the most defining factor of Brendan Rodgers' team. Paul, do you think he's right when he says that it's all about fitness? That That's how you sum up this Brendan Rodgers' team. Well, I think to an extent it has to be right because we were just speaking about it, the goals where they come, they come in the last 15 minutes of games and the fitness of Celtic is obviously much better than the fitness of the other 11 teams in the league and we can finish so strongly that we just, even if we're losing or we're drawing, we can find that extra gear that others maybe don't have and that's it's completely down to Brendan Rodgers and his team that they've come in because... The, the the core or the, the the players that are here are the same players that were here last season and the season before under Ronnie Dyler and mm-hmm. I know he had that philosophy and he said that they were going to be so much fitter and do all these things and be able to last 100 minutes and all that but we didn't really see it and like no offence to Ronnie or anything like that but 
Brendan Rodgers obviously has has it worked out because his Liverpool team were always the same. They were always really really fit. And yeah, I think and even very aggressive. Yeah, and yeah. even even at Swansea, like I'm not a huge fan of the English league, but I can recognise a good team and a, a team that's doing well. And they, I always thought that his Liverpool team were one of the best that's been about in that league for the last kind of four or five years. And um, this Celtic team are probably the best that I've seen in in probably fifteen years. And by some margin, like you might add that as well. Like I know there was teams that won the league. And this we maybe kind of stumbled over the line. This team are nowhere near stumbling anywhere. They're they're, they're walking tall, and they say they're running right to the ninetieth, ninety fifth minute in some games because it it goes on for so long. And uh, I think Scott Brown is epitomises that. Like last season, maybe wasn't his best season. This season it has been his best season in a Celtic jersey, mm-hmm. and it's all down to the gaffer. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. I think when you, when you would ask someone a, a word to sum up the season, I don't think fitness might come to, to you naturally. I think that was possibly the most boring or the most functional answer to that question, but I think it's probably the most accurate. If you had to sum up Brendan mm-hmm. Rodgers' side, I think fitness is a, is a very good, uh, insightful answer there from Scott Brown. Um, any other words that pop out to you, just kind of one, one-off words that would describe this Rodgers team? I think there's there's a lot. I think we've went through them untouchable and stuff like that, and yeah. impre- impressive or imperious maybe would be would yeah, maybe be a, yeah. a decent one to de- describe them. But like the the swagger that they have, I don't know if that's a, a good one to say. Swagger, yeah, that's a good one. Because like swagger, like quite like relentless. So uh, there's things like that, things that mm. just kind of sum up that we've been on a constant march towards this point and. I don't know. Is there was there a moment in the season that you felt like Celtic were going to go the whole season unbeaten? Was there a single match? Was there a kind of run of games? When did you know the season that we were, or or did you ever know this season that we were going to go the whole league season unbeaten? Well, I think like when we started the podcast, we we like it's quite remarkable to say that we we've been doing this podcast for what six months six and months, Celtic yeah. have never lost a game <laughs> while well, we've been doing it because um, <laughs> the European adventure was over but then I think the the December period you need to highlight it the the, the run of games um, mm-hmm. it wasn't the most exciting of the season it's probably the, the games where we had to dig in um, we had so many games one after the other and obviously it started off with, with that game against Motherwell and I think that that's the one yeah. that we have to highlight the the tenacity that the side showed um, the goals that we scored they weren't great goals to, to win that game they were scrappy and mm-hmm. but they, they they were the kind of goals that you see right it was off the back of this this fantastic League Cup final one uh, where we absolutely strolled it and we, we played Aberdeen off the park and we thought right we'll, mm-hmm. go, to, we'll go to Fur Park and, and we'll get a win Motherwell aren't going to beat us um, and we'll build up for a nice uh, game at, at Manchester for the last game in the Champions League. But Motherwell turned up and and, and gave us all a fright. I remember watching it. I was in the worst night, worst yeah. day out. Two 0 up, weren't uh, it? Two 0 up, and I thought, oh, here we go. That's us. We're by. And I remember looking at the odds on my phone, and I said, right, oh, Celtic. I think they were three to one or something like that at half time. It's like that never happened. <laughs> Did you back it? I'd, of course I didn't back it <laughs> I should have backed yeah. it um, I, I bailed out of it and then yeah. I remember watching it in walkabout and, and when that fourth <laughs> goal went in um, the, the whole place kind of turned around and looked at me because there was a load of guys in watching Chelsea game for some reason um, 
and we were we were demoted to the small screen. The big screen was for English football. So mm. I remember being raging about that on the day. But what a comeback, and I think that set yeah. the tone for the rest of the season. I think perhaps I've spoken to people who were at that game that day, and I think uh, they say that that's the moment that they believe that the, the team were literally invincible. Uh, they they describe it that they floated back to the to the bus that day, uh, realizing that they'd come from two 0 behind to actually win the game. And you think about that game as well, the fact that we 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 clawed it back and then they scored. Uh, mm-hmm. to kind of uh, burst their balloon again and then we scored immediately after that it was just a remarkable remarkable day I think probably deep down if I look back obviously in hindsight that's that's probably the moment that I would point to and go you know Celtic were uh, going to be invincible in truth I always felt like we would drop stupid points somewhere um, especially uh, after the break perhaps or mm-hmm. yeah and as you say in that December period Obviously, we've seen so many times down the years that just one off day. That some sometimes that I feel like it's more likely to come at Celtic Park. I feel like we play uh, football better away from home. Um, I just felt that at some point it was going to be inevitable, but they proved me wrong time and again this season, and um, this is just another way to prove me wrong. Um, so I can't say that there was a moment for me across the season that I felt they were going to go and beat in. Um, but full credit to, to the team they took it one game at a time and I think that's perhaps the most impressive thing too uh, often footballers and managers talking cliches about taking these things one game at a time but I've never seen a Celtic team so laser focused on the next match and the next match only um, just as we said re- relentless in, in their determination to take each match in isolation and, and beat the team without any other baggage or context uh, around that particular match even in the matches against Rangers um, they all felt as kind of one-off occasions that, that weren't any part of larger, a larger storyline across the season and uh, what what can I say I, I don't think it'll be ever it'll ever be done again in our lifetimes Brendan Rodgers certainly feels like it won't be done again in his lifetime um, do, you, do you feel the same Paul? Do you think we'll ever see another unbeaten league season? I, I honestly can't see it like um it's a one-off. Why? You ask yourself why hasn't it been done since the eighteen hundreds or the late eighteen hundreds? Yeah. And then you see, right, football isn't just about the team who's got the most money, or the team that's got the best players. It's, it doesn't work like that. And this season is a one-off. Um, even though there was there was a guy after the game on, on Sunday when we were we were at the pub, and he says to me, he says, "Oh." I said, do you ever do you think we'll ever do it again? And I says, nah. And he says, oh, I think we'll do it next season. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, uh, how, I don't know. Maybe that's just the mentality that we've got ourselves into now that we're expecting to win games under under Brendan Rodgers with this team. But mm-hmm. I think even like if we're going into next season, the confidence is high. We're wanting to get the win, like the the unbeaten record in terms of domestic uh, in terms of league games. I think it was it is it sixty or something like that. Yeah, yeah, sixty odd. I think we hold the world record. It was set so, in the nineteen tens. Yeah, so I think it was actually set between. It was set during the first world war, but I believe those records still stand. I don't think there was a break in football, and um, so I believe we set the record between nineteen fourteen and sixteen, and and that record holds uh, to this day. I mean, that's achievable, isn't it? Um, well, I it think is. we can. Yeah, I think we can do that. I think. I think. I think. I don't think there'll be a clamour for, for Brendan Rodgers to do that. I don't think the team will think about that at all, actually, over the summer. I think it's important for them to like compartmentalise this season into its own achievement and not to kind of bring the baggage of them beating run into next season. Because 
I feel like at some point it's going to have to hamper them. I think they just need to take, as as we say, take it one game. I'm sure they will. I don't think there will be any complacency there at all. But it bring, also brings the question: How do you improve on the perfect season? Like fingers crossed. Well, obviously, win the treble on Saturday. That's that's the perfect season. You win the treble, you go unbeaten in the league. You hump Rangers time and again. You try. You well, you make progress in Europe compared to the season before. How how do we improve on a perfect season, Paul? It's. it's I think it's an impossible question to answer. To be honest, it's. <laughs> it, I think you obviously you can say oh we can win more games, but we've won thirty we've won thirty four out of thirty eight like. <laughs> it's can you really expect a team who's playing like league league games, cup games, European games to to win more games than they did? I don't know if that's if that's too big a question for the them. The only thing I the only thing I could think of would be actually just whitewashing Rangers. I think that one one mm. match at Celtic Park still kind of irks me a little bit. There's kind of like a a burning resentment for for me there that they managed to take a point off us in our own backyard. I feel like if you whitewash Rangers, drew them twice again in the cup, and beat them six times, I think that's a good way to improve on this season. Um, oh, absolutely! Uh, certainly for the fans, I mean that would be celebrated itself for the next decade too. So I feel like that. I mean, David Docherty also sent us in the question. It, what kind of player or who, who should we be looking at bringing in to make us even stronger next season? I think we, we kind of spoke about this last week and I think for me, um, signing a player of genuine quality in the central midfield that has lots of experience at a top level is crucial for me and I know we've been linked with the likes of Lucas Leiva, etc. I think bringing in a player of that calibre who can kind of sit at the back of the midfield the anchor of the midfield who has technical ability who well, has drive and determination but as I say most important experience I think that would do wonders for us in Europe I think the weak link in Europe I would say would perhaps and this is perhaps a little bit harsh given the way they've improved over the last six months but I think certainly six months ago you know the likes of Callum McGregor and Stuart Armstrong looked a little bit off the pace in, in some of those matches and I feel like that was an area where we're just slightly lacking we just we just didn't have that kind of um, working knowledge of how to win matches in Europe from, from the middle of the field there wasn't that kind of cynical edge to our play we, d- we did look naive at times we did give the, the opponents too much respect I think bringing in a real cynical bastard of a player to, to be frank is, is the way forward for us in Europe what kind of player or is there any players in particular in mind that you have or the positions you have in that we would improve us next season based on, on this perfect season I think the the only ones that kind of jump out is the fact that when Dembele got injured we only had Griffiths really um, in terms mm-hmm. of someone to fall back on so maybe another striker to come in um, yeah. to, to, to keep the two of them on their toes and to challenge them, a young guy maybe um, maybe somebody even younger than Dembele and I still and it pains me to say, despite how staggeringly good and how much better Dredrick Boyat has got, I still believe that we need another centre half. Um, I don't think Eric Fitchenko's future lies at Celtic anymore, and I don't know if that's been a bit harsh on him, or maybe he's just he's not been the, he's not been the man recently. He's not ever since probably the turn of the year. He's not been first choice at all and I know he's played some games but it seems to be he's been playing the same games as, as Izagiri and, and Gamboa the, the second string defence but if, if we can get yeah. someone in to challenge Boyata and, and push him on I know we, we said it before any of them who's playing alongside um, Shozo Samyanovic they're playing alongside him he brings them, their level up 
So I think you can yeah. only judge them when they're not playing alongside him because he's such he's a, a pedestal above. So if you if we bring in another centre half, um, someone who who's who's ready to take on Europe and, and who's not got any fear, um, that would make it slightly better, I think, and then it would improve everybody because these guys coming in are going to give the the current players the, another kick as well and take them to another level. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you also need to look at in terms of, I mean, Rogers has specifically noted that he sees having as many academy players in the side as possible as a key aspect to, to his time at Celtic. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see more from the likes of Ralston and Johnston next season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they impressed recently against St Johnston. I think that that would go a long way. We've also got other players in the development squad that perhaps will probably go out on loan, I would suggest. The likes mm-hmm. of Calvin Miller, I don't think we'll, we'll get a regular start for us next season, but perhaps he could go out on loan for the first half of it. You've also got the returning Ryan Christie, of course, who um, is having a phenomenal time at Aberdeen right now. Won their Young Player of the Year award, despite only being there since January. He scored the winning goal at Ibrox to, to win... Aberdeen's first match away to Rangers for 26 years, which is phenomenal. Um, and he also obviously scored a double at the weekend against Patrick Thistle. And that kind of brings us round to Aberdeen. Obviously, the Scottish Cup final is Lumen Paul. And this, I feel like this is going to be a tougher test than perhaps you give it credit for and perhaps a lot of uh, uh, other supporters give it credit for. I know Hamish feels the same. He, he spoke at length on the podcast just about his feelings that Aberdeen do have the players to hurt us on Saturday but how do you feel what's your honest assessment of of, of the threat that Aberdeen carry in, in the Scottish Cup final on Saturday uh, honestly I'm not going to skirt around the issue and, and say that Aberdeen are a poor team or anything like that they're a decent side but you look at the five games that we've played them this season and I'm discounting the 3-1 game um, just a couple of weeks ago because I didn't watch it live but I just don't see where where the, the the world beaters are coming from, where these guys are going to hurt mm-hmm. us badly. Um, and then you just need to look at the League Cup final. The League Cup final, I, I would probably say it's one of the most comfortable games we've had this season. It, I agree with that, yeah. It, it, it was so, so good. And I think that, I know that they'll look at that and they'll be studying that game and say, right, what can we do to improve? And how can we how can we counter this Celtic team who haven't lost a game? And we've played them five times so far. They've only scored two goals, and mm-hmm. they've they've not come up with anything to to suggest to me that they can they can hurt us and they can score any more than one goal in a match. I know it's a cup final; things can happen. But we've been saying that for six months now that the games that things can <laughs> anomalies can happen in games, yeah. and they haven't came it's around. Not, and, yeah. Um, this team are so strong that, that even if Aberdeen manage to get the lead and, and take the lead that we've always got we seem to always have two goals in us recently um, I know you said it was a lot of one nils, but it was, it was more since kind of February time we, we seem to just be scoring for fun even when we're not playing well we're scoring for fun we scored five against Thistle I know Aberdeen, Aberdeen scored six but they, 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 they literally had nothing on the line and Thistle I think have been sleeping since the top six was announced um, so you can, I think you can discount things like that, and then you discount the fact that Ryan Christie isn't playing for Aberdeen, well, and the the other fact, the, the thing that came out today that that Graham Shinney will be the captain, and and Ryan Jack is might not be playing because he's 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 maybe pre contract. So they they seem to be a bit at odds with each other, and and Celtic are five six days of rest and 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 raring to go. I, I really can't see 
where the threat comes from. I know there's two or three players and you may be singled them out, but is that enough? I don't, I don't know if it is. Well, I think if anyone's listened to this going to the match uh, on Saturday, um, I think they'll be a little bit more confident now after that little speech from Paul Fisher. <laughs> I think I, I agree with most of that. I can see where your confidence is coming from. I would suggest, just to counter those points, just to play a little bit devil, devil's advocate here, um, I feel like Aberdeen won't be as bad as they were in that League Cup final. I think they got a bit of stage fight that day, and despite their kind of showy um, opposing the huddle nonsense, <laughs> I think the occasion got to them that day. I don't think they'll play as badly as that. I think they'll they'll be a lot more like the Aberdeen that we saw at Pataudry recently, and I know we scored three early goals and we beat them, but they did show a lot that day for me. The, about an hour of the game where they actually played us, I felt... Um, in terms of the key players I think you're right but they, I mean they do still have Johnny Hayes they do still have Niall McGinn I actually think that Ryan Jack thing is a factor this week and, and that actually all happened after we recorded the podcast last night so we've not actually had a chance to speak to, to each other about it but I think the fact that he's been stripped to the captaincy surely means that he won't play at all I, I can't see how you could strip him off the captaincy and then still have him play I think that would be a, a little bit absurd um, so uh, there's a little bit of disharmony there, there so perhaps a little thanks to our uh, city neighbours for disrupting Aberdeen on, on the week of the Scottish Cup final <laughs> I think the fact that Christie is out I think you're right I think that's a, an important factor just given how good good form he is in right now and how what a key player he's become for them he's become one of their he's emerged as one of their key goal threats so I think you're right I think I think we'll win the game I'm not going to lie I just think that it perhaps might not be the walkover that people are expecting. And I don't know, you'll remember, Paul, um, Hamish doesn't remember, of course, uh, we spoke about this last night, but I don't think think it'll be a situation like when we won the treble the first time around against Hibs when we beat them 3-0 at Hamden, and it was just kind of an easy game. I can't see it being like that at all. I think this is going to be a battle on Saturday. I think Celtic are probably preparing for that battle, to, to be fair to them. But I, I, I just, I'm not sure it'll go a, a similar way to the League Cup final. I mean, in terms of predictions, I think I would say it would be, th- I think it could be another like three-one scoreline again. I think we will be too strong for them, but I think they're going to turn up, and I think for perhaps the first half an hour of the game, um, they could cause us a few problems. What, what do you think in terms of predictions? What's your scoreline? Well, I'm going to hop back to the the same old thing that I've been I've been piping on about <laughs> for weeks, and that that is the the, the good old symmetry. Um, okay. The Hearts game came and went, and and we won that. And it, it maybe wasn't the greatest performance, but we scored two goals again, and we we got ourselves over the line. The League Cup final, um, when we last won the treble, what was the score in the final? Three 0 Yeah, it's three 0 Three 0 this time around. We're playing Aberdeen in both finals here, and we beat Hibs three 0 in in the final, and we're going to beat Aberdeen three 0 in the final, and we're going to lift the, the Scottish Cup. Pretty confident that we're, we're going to do it. Might not be spot on with the scoreline, but I, I'm I'm sure it won't be far away. I think uh, Hamish also said three one on the podcast last night, so we'll, we'll give him that one ahead of the match. And um, what about what's your plans for watching the game, Paul? Uh, do, have you managed to get a ticket? Are you going to try and keep trying to get a ticket up to the up to the match? I think I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to get one, um, and it's, it's it's a bit rubbish because I be, I went to both semi-finals and I missed the league cup uh-huh. final because I was travelling back from Newcastle. Well, I couldn't actually get to physically get to Hamden. I managed to get off the train, run down the stairs, and into a pub to watch the game. Um, <laughs> but 
I, I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to be able to go um, unless something magical comes up in the next day or two. So I'm going to go to my yeah. uncle's and watch it. Um, and my uncle's re- renowned for his, his temper when Celtic are playing. Um, and really? recent, recently, when well, when the Rangers beat us in this, the Scottish Cup, um, he punched his Last TV. Ah, he punched his TV and, and completely broke nice. it. Fifty inch TV so, smashed his smithereens. Well, let's hope that he doesn't need a new TV on Sunday. <laughs> That's all we'll say. Uh, um, I'm the same. I don't have a ticket for the game. I'm going to try and get my brother around to to watch the match here. Um, so not just quite sitting in my pants, but also not doing anything especially special for the match. I'm looking forward to watching it I feel like I'll have be full of nerves on the morning of the match I think it's going to feel like a classic cup final um, and I can't wait to kind of be on the verge of the treble and then see Celtic do it um, so we're kind of, kind of at the end of the show now do you, do you have any other last thoughts uh, for the week ahead Paul? I think it's just the fact that um, get, enjoy yourselves, like, especially if you listen to this before the cup final. Um, I know you've probably been immersed in all the Lisbon stuff and, and Wednesday and Thursday and, and looking back the 50 years, but this is us making our own memories and in 50 years' time we'll, we'll look back on this season with fond memories. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that I tried to do on Sunday the game was not try and go on my phone uh, and take loads of pictures <laughs> and videos, just milk it in and, and, and breathe in the atmosphere and, and make your own memories and, and, and stuff that you you going to tell your kids and your grandkids about. I think it's 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 once in a lifetime stuff. This and uh, it doesn't trebles don't come around very often. So um, mm-hmm. I'm very jealous of everybody going, but um, I hope you all have a great time. Yeah, well well said. I would say I would certainly echo those sentiments. I would urge everyone to enjoy the the week ahead too. I think I feel like this could potentially be one of the, the best 10 days of supporting Celtic ever outside of Lisbon and perhaps Seville I think it's an incredibly special time to be a Celtic supporter you don't just have lifting the league trophy on Sunday we'll have all the Lisbon celebrations this week and that's going to be emotional and special too there's going to be documentaries there's going to be podcasts from from other fans so, from, so look out for that I know all do you know of a, of a few that are going to be essential listening on Thursday um, I believe History Boys Abroad have got a special and um, on one of the matches on the way to Lisbon and I know that uh, Glasgow's Green Podcast they have interviews with Betty Old and Bobby Lennox believe it or not um, so that'll be special too so, so look out for that and then obviously the cup final I would echo the, the sentiments of Paul enjoy it it's a very special time there's going to be some of you out there who have never experienced the treble before there's some of you out there who have experienced that before obviously with, with um, beating Hibs in the Scottish Cup final in 2001 there's probably even some of you listening who remember it um, from previously under Jock Steen so. but regardless whether you've seen a treble before or you've never seen it before you know how rare it is you know how special it is enjoy it take it all in and, and have a fantastic time we've also got the the legends match on sunday that's going to be another special occasion i've never actually been to one of these charity matches before so i'm actually looking forward to seeing the likes of henrik larson again who i've not actually seen since you know he retired at, at Celtic or sorry moved to barcelona so I'm looking forward to that too and, and there's perhaps the potential of some sort of trophy parade or, or some sort of Lisbon Lions celebration on Sunday morning too so that'll be special. Another thing I would mention there's a fantastic programme that was on BBC Radio Scotland on Sunday morning um, made by Kevin McKenna it was part mm. of Good Morning Scotland but they've actually spun it off into its own 
um, standalone programme on BBC iPlayer. The, the link for it is actually on our Twitter, Twitter page, which is at Fritz Grandold. If you haven't listened to that, um, I would really urge you to listen to that. It, it may be the best thing you listen to regarding Lisbon all week. I know we, we mentioned specifically mentioned those fan podcasts this week, but that that's a, a, a particularly special program because a lot's going to be said and written about the the playing aspect of the Lisbon Lions this week, and quite rightly so. But this program kind of sums up the societal aspects of it and the fact that these were working class heroes for generations of people, and specifically people of a of a Scottish Irish background and people who needed heroes at that particular time. And those memories have been passed on to our families down the gen down the years, down the generations, and our you know our. We're the descendants of people who witnessed Lisbon, but those memories are now ours, and we'll pass those memories on to our children and our nieces and nephews too. So, you think about that over the next week. Think, drink it all in. Think about how important the Lisbon Lions win was, not just from a sporting aspect, from from a Scottish societal aspect, and for for people of our identity. I feel like it was a massively important event, a huge cultural event and something that transcends football and that's why it's so special and that's why everyone's still talking about it 50 years on so that programme kind of summed all that up for me it's, it's made by Kevin McKenna it's very well made and um, some good interviews in it some good wee stories some wee anecdotes that you may not have heard before such as well I won't ruin it I won't ruin it you need to go and listen to it um, as I say the link's on our, on our Twitter page so that's the end of our show we're not going to going further too much without Hamish Carton. I actually think we've managed to go longer on the podcast tonight, Paul, than we did last <laughs> night when there was three of us, so God knows what we've been chatting about tonight. Um, but as always, you can send in your thoughts on the show, you can send in emails to podcast at agrandoldteam.com, you can leave comments or like the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash fritzagrandold, or of course you can follow us on Twitter at fritzagrandold. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for doing a late night pod without Hamish. No, How are you feeling about the weekend? Are you going to enjoy yourself? Yes, um, it's my pleasure as always to be on the podcast. It's, it, there's nothing really much better than talking about Celtic and Celtic winning and Celtic being unbeaten for a whole league season and hopefully for a whole domestic season too. So I'll hopefully come back and next weekend we'll be chatting about the, the treble winners. Thanks, Paul. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks to everyone who listens and shares the podcast and spreads the words and retweets us and all that good stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to next week too. And hopefully by the time we speak to you this time next week or or perhaps on Monday even, we've won the treble and things are all good heading into the summer. Hail, hail. And every time I nearly hit the ground, you were my cushion There's evidence that proves that you were heaven sent Cause when I needed rescuing, you were there at my defense Girl, in you I find a friend, you make me feel alive again And I feel like the brightest star, cause you made me shine again No matter where we are